Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Whether you're a brand, large business, small business, or an individual, you need customers. And the chances are some of your potential customers are probably listening to this podcast right now. From history... When Napoleon laid Boulogne for a year... Politics... If that person is poor, it's a bad neighbourhood. Then you have the disproportionate police brutality, which is meted out instantly at people of colour. Culture... Had they written it that Chris called an ambulance for hours straight away, and we wouldn't have learned about the severity of alcohol withdrawal either. Well done to the writers. Thank you for making a wonderful podcast, but I'd give rather a miss. <laughs> the Rotherham Tourist Board. Geekdom. The flag is a graphic symbol, not a verbal symbol. You know, why don't we just write France on the flag? I mean, we laugh when you think of putting a country's name on a flag. Society or music. Young people began to turn away from their parents' ethics and their style of dress and they began to dance to a new type of music. Royfield Brown's podcasts are downloaded just under 100,000 times a month. So putting your message here could well be worth it. If you have something to sell or promote, why not email royfield at gmail.com and hear your product or service promoted. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers.
This is Dum Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that has centered an ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the responsible drinker, who is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the underage boozer, who is... <laughs> Millie Bell. And this week's dissolute drunk is... Yokel Bear, and that's fairly accurate. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> we've got the band back together. It's like the good old days. First off, folks, I've got to amend you all because you did not rally to the cause after me scolding you and saying, where are the dum-de-dums? Had not one, not two, but three awesome dum-de-dums. Miss Millie Bell, someone else would like to send us in a dum-de-dum because just because we've said that we've got three doesn't mean that people need to slack off. So if somebody does want to send us in a dum-de-dum, maybe it can be festive. How can they do that? Well, if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203-031-3105. Leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send a text message starting with DUM to 077-862-00690. And thanks to our social media supremos, who I, I just want to say are doing a blinding job. Uh, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and Shambridge for her voices, and of course Lucy V. Freeman. On this week's episode, we hear views from Jen, the Ambridge Pony Club. She's back. Jeff Quentin Rayner, the man with the golden larynx, he's back. Pat from Leeds, who was on the film club today which was most excellent uh, we did the chicago seven which had some very interesting points to make did our pat miss mid city talk about getting the old band back she's back miss darby uh, she makes her first call in at least two not three years claire from clapham she's a stalwart she never lets us down and of course from the upper lower east west side we have with a spoon uh, so so that's us folks uh, that's what you're gonna have on your dumpty dum this week but first, let's have a recap on last week in Ambridge. Hello, I'm Amber, and on this week in Ambridge... Susan Carter has resigned from Radio Borsetshire. Its four listeners are devastated. <laughs> Harrison Burns is set to win Nicest Man of the Year award as Chris spills the beans. And the vodka. Apples, it seems, do not fall far from trees, as Brad Horobin makes an explosive entry into drinking. Philip Moss sells the horses to become slaves to a formidable woman who knows how to crack a whip. Actually, that sounds great. Where can I sign up? <laughs> there you go. Thank you for that, Amber. And uh, But first, uh, before... We really get into the quarter in us. Uh, we have our hot topic of the week. Right, folks, so the hot topic of the week Jazza and Tracy. Does it have the makings of a simmering feud or is it the start of a beautiful relationship? What do you reckon, Millie Bell? Uh, well, actually, this really, really confused me because um, I'm a huge Jazza fan, love, think he's a great character. And I got really cross uh, with the fact that he seemed to be putting all the responsibility back on the underage drinker. And it just didn't feel right. So um, I'm happy for the few to simmer, if I'm honest, because mm -hmm. he needs to be told. <laughs> uh, what about you, Mr. Bear? 
a simmering feud could be more entertaining, especially with Tracy. Because let's face it, she knows how to hold a grudge. Um, and I think that could lead to some great comedy moments. But then again, I'm really torn because Jazz is so nice and they would go so well together. And it would solve a problem that I have, which is that I cannot stand Roman. I just can't stand him at all. He's like the Cockney Russ, um, thinks he's kind of better than he is or what have you. And I think Tracy can do better. I want a bit of kind of revenge and pettiness, I think. Are you not enjoying how Roman's got no idea how to read the room? I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious, but also as well, the thing the thing with Roman is it's hilarious for me for about a minute or so. Yeah. And then I kind of just like, I'm just like, oh God, you know, he's just awful. Yeah, no, there are comedy moments. I, I'm not sure if he's awful. I just think he he believes he's got some skills to share and doesn't understand that he actually hasn't got any skills. I, th- I just find him funny because he just does not read whatever anything else is happening in the room. He's just going with what's in his head. I don't know. I, th- I think he's quite funny. I, d- I don't know why Tracy's with him because she could do so much better. Do you feel like he's here for the long haul? I think the Christmas production is going to be a bit of a disaster this year. And I think that mm-hmm. will pave the way for next year, Linda coming back. So uh, I think... Do you not I think, think Linda's going to jump in this year? Possibly, yeah. I just can't see Roman pulling this off without some major help. And the problem is he's kind of ousted Freddie, hasn't he? So mm. he's got to and really... And he's wasted a lot of time. I know. Mind you, I did. <laughs> I wish they'd kind of recorded the whole thing. You know, the exercise where they have yeah, to give, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to hear David's, <laughs> just yeah, to see yeah, how yeah. dull they were. <laughs> yes, actually, well, Oliver was very entertaining. The pair of you have both said that uh, Tracy could do better, mm. right? Um, don't you think that on the face of it, right, and I'm saying this to be devil's advocate, to take on Tracy is somewhat of a formidable task, isn't she? Isn't it? You know, she's like literally like a force of nature. Would Jazza be up for that job, let's say? I don't know that anybody realises what they're getting into when they get into it, to be honest. Um, but I think that uh, Tracy would be the most amazing ally, wouldn't she? So, and I think, you know, J- Jazza and her together would be pretty awesome just to listen to them. And I think that Jazza gets into scrapes and I think she'd get him out. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think I think the thing with Tracy is, is that why she deserves better, but I think sometimes she thinks that she doesn't um, and she doesn't see her own skills. I think a lot of the mm. um, kind of, you know, where she steps in and takes charge and what have you, I think she thinks that she's winging it, but she's not. She's actually got loads of skills mm. and... She does understand how people tick, um, which I think is really important because there's so many other characters that don't understand that. Um, I think Jazza would be an equal match to her, but for different reasons. I think he would he would be her keeper on an even keel and mm. not be afraid to knock her down to size a little bit if she gets a bit kind of above herself or whatever. I think that that's the kind of that how I see the relationship is they would actually complement each other by being different. 
it's obviously a, a, a family thing, though, because neither uh, Tracy nor Susan have any doubt about their level of competency and their, their levels of confidence. <laughs> like they just are always happy to take charge, even when they might not be the right person at that time to be taking charge. And they've always got an opinion on everything. Um, and I'd love to hear her and Jazza more, I must admit. I really do think that they must be setting us up for something. I generally don't know what that is. Maybe it's just mm. a great friendship because it was Brad, wasn't it? Brad who drank, yeah. drank yeah. the booze. We've never heard from Brad. Brad wasn't on mic. Um, why was that scene so pivotal? It's going to lead to something. What that something is, I do not know. But I like it when couples are a bit more yin and yang. In a way, she is the female jazzer. And for me, they're too similar. On the face of it, brash, working class, little bit mouthy. Well, that's just brash again, isn't it? Et cetera, et cetera. And kind of confrontational, but heart in the right place. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm in for the ride. I'm in for the ride. I'm sorry. I was just going to say I didn't think that's what they were setting us up for. What do you think they were setting us I up for? I thought they were setting us up for something to do with something to do with Jazz's brewing business. I thought they were setting us up so that that would fail and we could move on from that storyline. I didn't think it was really going to be much else than that. You know how sometimes they just kind of think, oh, we need to finish this storyline now? No, just me? <laughs> I thought that was the end of the brewing. <laughs> you know, but if they had just let it die a death, because it was homebrew, like, bit of hooch mm. wasn't it as opposed to yeah um let's say toby and the gin business which is there's a mm. whole palaver and a whole infrastructure around that with him getting the gin still and all that kind of storyline and whatever they could have let this one just like die a death slowly and none of us would have noticed Home maybe it's a public hooch. service health announcement you know what could well be could, could <laughs> oh, well be could well be now before we go on to quarter in you pair we should have a little bit of this. Hello, Ambridge3962. And if we get in the band back, we should have one of our most consistent callers. It's our Claire, and she's ringing from Clapham. Yes. Hi, Dumpty Dum. Claire from Clapham here. So, as your official Ambridge Housing Ferry correspondent, I just wanted a ringing because there's so much about Monday's episode that drove me nuts uh, between uh, Tony and Helen and the conversation about Helen moving to Beechwood. So, I do not see how she can possibly afford this house. First of all, the farm is mortgaged up to the hilt when they first bought it. Then they borrowed more money to pay off her legal bills. Then they made nearly a million pounds on the sale of the land, but they were supposed to be putting that into Pat and Tony's pensions a bit and also then building some fancy eco cheese room thing, which I haven't heard very much about. So maybe they've still got the money from that. But I just don't see how she's mortgageable. And she can't possibly be making enough from the sale of occasional cheese in a sparsely attended cheese farm shop and a bit of local restaurants to pay that mortgage and I don't think they've got enough money hanging around to buy the house outright and certainly they haven't if they're going to build the cheese room so they've got to make some choices secondly Tom's going to go absolutely ballistic because why where's his deposit you know there he wanted it he might want a house as well they're living in that little flat so that's all just totally ridiculous 
And also, Philip can't afford to give them any sort of discount because he needs all the money. But here's a couple of predictions. First of all, Philip will get caught. So then the house will be taken under the Proceeds of Crime Act. So with, if, if Helen's lucky, she can buy it at knockdown price at the police auction. And secondly, the only other good thing is if Helen is living next to Joy, and wasn't it lovely to hear from her this week, then I see that Joy will be some kind of amazing asset if and when Rob returns to the village and will be some sort of guiding protector. Thanks. Mm, well, uh, I think that's an excellent prediction. Um, I, I must admit that I, as soon as Helen started talking about buying the place, I was like, oh, I don't think this place is going to be up for sale because this is all going to hit the fan very, very soon. Um, but I was very surprised when Tony said, oh, we've still got some money left from the sale of the land because I, I was also under the impression that that had all been put away. So I agree. I don't see how they can she can afford it at all. Uh, pers <laughs> personally, I would not like to live next to Joy, but um, it might actually be really good for Helen because um, she would have someone who would take an interest in her boys, someone else who would take an interest. So, yeah. There was another thing that annoyed me about that, and I think it was kind of the archer privilege of kind of <laughs> Helen just pointing at a house and going, I'll just take that one, um, when actually there's so many things. You can't just go and buy a house, um, which Claire has obviously pointed out. Just, oh, I'll take that house and and what have you. And I think when you compare that mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, Emma and Ed and the whole thing around the, I think there is a bit of a kind of class thing there of kind of, oh, well, of course I can buy that house. And of course, you know, compared to how Emma and Ed really, really struggled. But I think mm -hmm. Claire's absolutely right. I think that, that this will all come crashing down because it's getting to the point now where um the whole philip and the yeah. slave story is and that's going to come crashing down because of gavin i think they've really set us up about this he's now seeing blake in a different way uh, i'll be honest i think it might even come crashing down this week do you think also the fact that Gavin's been terribly manipulated by his father and oh, it just God, yeah. seemed as though this week he was starting to get that he was being manipulated, whereas up until now he's accepted it, I started to get the, oh, no, no, he's not liking this. He might balk at this. Do you reckon? Yeah, no, I think so. And I think also as well, Blake, I mean, I just kept thinking Stockholm Syndrome. You know, he thinks that um, yeah, Gavin's yeah. his mate. And yeah, yeah. he's clearly not, because when you think of all mm. the stuff that we've kind of seen about how Gavin has been as well as Philip. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, but I Gavin's think starting to show some empathy. Yeah. And that's what's going to be Philip's undoing. Yeah. It's Philip's lack of yeah, em yeah, empathy. Yeah, agreed is going to be his undoing um and that whole conversation i mean it was just chilling wasn't it about the how yeah, we're going to sell them on mm. and isn't it such a shame because kirsty is all empathy i mean how did she land I up know. with philip it makes no sense I know. although he's very good at faking it do the script writers really like kirsty because they do put her through the mill i know <laughs> well in a way oh it's so... like the biggest compliment you can pay the actor is by throwing them these difficult storylines and, and and believing that they'll be able to deliver so i would actually say yes because there is no way that in the real world if you get jilted at the altar in a small village would you ever go back to that small village remember she, she disappeared didn't she you know and she would yeah. stay disappeared 
you'd never you'd never return. So we have to suspend uh, disbelief and and it when it comes to Kirsty, and ultimately it's because the actor Annabel Dowler is just so blooming good that they throw her um, all these curveballs. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I actually think the actor who plays Philip is very good as well because he he manages to go from nasty bastard to loving partner so quickly, mm. and he's That's also very good at coming having the comebacks. Yeah. Mm. I'll tell you who I'm coming round to, though I know you you aren't Millie. Joy. I quite like Joy. No. That's what I took from Claire's Claire's call. Yeah. Joy love. Yeah, yeah, sure. S- small yeah. doses. And look, she's obviously a lovely woman, but she just talks too much. She's in your face. No, wouldn't do for me. Goodness. Yeah, I like Joy, but only in really small doses. If we had a whole storyline where she was majorly involved, I would, unless yeah. it showed some other other part of her character i don't think i'd really enjoy it but she is great for coming in for those little moments of empathy and those little comic mm. moments mm. and she's uh, super good with tony them pair you know it's, it's a bit like batman and robin isn't it but anyway mm-hmm. so talking about mm-hmm. a moment mm-hmm. we're about to have another one but this moment's going to be with with a spoon okay hey baby i hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy. Greetings, Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. I trust you're all having a great reunion. Yes, we have to talk about Alice and Chris. First, I do agree with what Ann Carey said last week. Alice is someone with an illness that requires treatment. But I also get what Royfield was asking. What will be the negative consequences of her excessive drinking? because there certainly have to be some. Let's put that aside and go back to Chris trying to get Alice into treatment. Basically, you try to convince the alcoholic to go using almost whatever threat it takes because their denial and resistance are very high. The hope is that once the person is there, surrounded by other alcoholics and addicts, the light bulb turns on and their motivation dramatically increases. What will Alice face when she's discharged? Assuming she's been exposed to the 12-step AA model, the very first step is admitting that she is powerless over alcohol, and the corollary to that is admitting it to family and loved ones. What about the relationships between Alice and Chris and Alice and Emma? Let's turn to steps 8 and 9, which occur later down the road. Make a list of all persons who have been harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Then one would make direct amends to people whenever possible. If Alice embraces AA, she'll be apologizing to Emma, Chris, and others at some point. What about Chris? A lovely moment of his breaking down and Harrison extending a helping hand. Not sure if he'll take it. Chris could start attending Al-Anon, not to be confused with AA, but as a program modeled after the latter, with the purpose of helping families and friends of alcoholics. Note, that unfortunately, AA and Al-Anon meetings are virtual these days. A long road for the two of them. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Witherspoon. That was awesome. And, of course, he just has the most amazing insight, that man. I realise he's a professional. He's highly trained, but he manages to make um, our docudrama 
into something very serious and, you know, like hopefully if there's anyone out there who's going through something similar, they'll be able to get something very important from what he said. Uh, I must admit I find the whole um, story very, it, it's it's very intense and uh, as a teacher I guess I keep thinking about that child and what they may have to go through. And uh, I saw some interesting statistics recently um, which I think are for Australia, which is that forty uh, percent of children born in prison um, have uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Isn't that a scary thought? Sure. So this is something that we are dealing with in our uh, community, and often, uh, again, as an educationalist, we young people who have fetal alcohol syndrome are not actually uh, diagnosed until they're in about year uh, seven or eight, so they're not getting the help they need at an early age. So the only thing I could hope was that if help is needed, they would be able to come to it quicker on the archers. Um, again, you know, it's, it's a very important topic and I think they're handling it very well. I think also one of the things that really struck me is, is, is they're getting quite a lot of messages out there about the danger to, you know, in pregnancy and stuff like that. I think one of the most important messages they got out there is that to recover from alcohol, um, sometimes it isn't a case of just stopping. And I can tell you that many, many years ago, in my kind of um, social circle, we lost a friend who did exactly that, who just stopped and it killed him because his body couldn't take the withdrawal. And I think that's really important to get across to people if they've got somebody that they know is going through this stuff. It's not a simple case of just stopping doing something. That can be as dangerous. Um, I think also as well, I mean, just away from the kind of the issue itself, one thing that really struck me is I've always not really liked Alice because it's easy to take the mickey out of Alice, you know, about how she does every job in the village and stuff like that. Um, I think the acting through this storyline has been absolutely superb and has kind of given me an appreciation about there is a real depth to the character there. Um, and also, you know, the acting, just superb. I also really um, have appreciated the fact that uh, this week Chris was saying, how could she do this to herself? How could she do it to the baby? And that's a real trap, isn't it, to get into that blaming game. And it's an easy one for us all to fall into. So it was good that he brought that out in the open. And it will be really interesting to see how they resolve their relationship when hopefully she starts to get better. And also the fact that the, he wanted to lean on his sister and she wouldn't let him. She said, don't tell her. You can't tell her. I thought that was also probably very realistic, but it was basically saying um, you can't get help. You you know, you've got to do this by yourself. Uh, you know, she may not have meant to say that, but that's what she was saying. So when Harrison stepped in, it was a big relief because I was like, who's he going to talk to? I think this is going to be really interesting in terms of kind of Chris's character development because up mm, to now mm, he's, really, he's really kind of struck me as just a very straightforward blokey bloke mm. who just thinks, you know, things are either right or wrong or, you know, and seems to have some kind of moral code about what's, you know, um, you know, what's good and what's bad. I think this is going to take Chris's character into some real grey areas that mm. are going to be really interesting to explore. Mm. And it's also going to be interesting to see how Alice's relationships change in the village. Yeah, do you think Chris and Alice will survive this? I don't know. 
Well, I'll tell you what, Mid Me City has got some thoughts and feelings on that. But I just wanted <laughs> to jump in and say before we come on to her and if she thinks that Chris and Alice can actually survive it, I've never been the biggest Harrison fan. You know, he's somewhat of a terrible policeman. He never solves any crime, doesn't really do anything. <laughs> but my God, have there been some really touching moments last mm. week and then... Um, him and Fallon about a month ago talking about the fact that Fallon doesn't want to become mm. a mother. Mm. The actor is superb. The writing was just tremendous. And I must admit, you know, I love a bit of man-on-man action, especially in <laughs> the Archers. Me. You heard me, Mr. Bear. <laughs> I love a bit of man-on-man action when it's men <laughs> consoling each other. Other man-on-man mm. action mm. is fine too. But in terms <laughs> of men being empathetic we don't get enough of that in the archers because we don't get enough of it in life so harrison being able to spot that chris was in a level of mental distress because also his dad neil did also notice it didn't he but he didn't realize how much harrison did it's harrison's job not only just to listen to what people say, but to read them as well. And that was just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful scene. But anyway, uh, Mid Miss City, she's got thoughts and feelings on whether Chris and Alice will last. Hi, it's Miss Mid City. It's been ages since I last made a contribution, but I received a timely reminder from Royfield. So I'll share some thoughts about the Chris and Alice storyline. I've just finished one of the many family law cases I deal with, which involve representing parents plagued by the toxic trio of substance misuse, mental health problems and domestic abuse. In my experience, alcohol dependency is ugly and protracted, and that aspect is not really dealt with very well by serial drama. I think it's because drama needs resolution, and often that means a character has to become sober. Sometimes it means complete self-destruction, but most serial dramas want to move the audience's attention onto something else. Whereas my experience with alcoholics is that alcoholism can endure for decades, and most people don't have access to the help they need. Don't assume it's there on the NHS. A lot of the time, they need psychological therapeutic input for some unresolved trauma that they're self-medicating with alcohol. But it's so painful, they don't fully engage with therapy, even if they start it. When I think about alcoholics in the public eye, I remember the likes of Brian Clough as a Derby girl and how alcohol can ruin you from the inside and become very visible on the outside. And it rarely simply stops, even with help. So the scriptwriters have been commendable in taking time to build a credible storyline, but I don't think they or the audience have the patience to see this through credibly. There's a very real possibility that Chris and Alice have a child with developmental delay and lifelong problems caused by fetal alcohol syndrome, which of itself can take years to fully diagnose. And I recall how the Archer scriptwriters kind of gave up quickly on Mike and Vicky and their Down syndrome child. And all that falling off and getting back on the wagon involved on, on the path to recovery from addiction is time consuming, repetitive and wearying. And in short, it's depressing enough to drive you to drink. Like others have said, I don't <laughs> think Chris and Alice's relationship can survive this. Mm. Oh, gosh, we are so lucky with the level of expertise we have amongst our listeners, aren't we? Thank you, Miss Mid-City. I'm just remembering, was it Eddie who had a drug problem and he was fixed within about a week? Ed, Going back Ed. into the mists of time? 
It was Ed. It was Ed. Sorry, yeah. I meant Ed. Yeah, Ed Grundy. And I think, oh, well, you know, if they can fix a, a drug problem that quickly, who knows, we could get lucky here. But I absolutely agree. All of the uh, – I used to be a drug and alcohol counsellor in a former life, and my experience is exactly what what Miss Mid-City says, is that it takes a very long time and you have to have some cooperation from the, the person who has the illness and often they don't recognise it. And so it will be interesting to see how quickly they – get this to resolve um, if if they do it all. And it will also be very interesting, I think, the dynamics within the family and the village because I think there's going to be a lot of judging and I don't think she's going to like that at all. And that's not going to help. That's not going to help Chris. I think you're right. I mean, also as well, I mean, uh, remember Kenton's depression that kind yeah. of literally went overnight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which wasn't really, really. But on the other hand, I do understand from the kind of scriptwriter's point of view um, which is that they do need to move on. They do need to kind of go into other stories and what have you. But it is really annoying because, I mean, that's the, what I thought about Chris and Alice is that if they have a baby that then has developmental issues, my initial thought was, oh, that's all right. They'll just move to Birmingham, just like Mike, <laughs> Mike and Vicky, because that's kind of oh, what happens, isn't it? I know. So, and I'm really hoping that they don't do that. I think there's loads of stories at the moment that I hope that they don't take an easier route out of it because I mm. think it doesn't do the issue justice. I've got some thoughts on Rory and being bisexual, um, which mm -hmm. is for another time, um, about the way that story might be handled. There's a, a, a kind of... I think it's a really good way. There's there's a less good way. So I'm really hoping whatever they do with this story with um, Alice and Chris, that they find that balance between not letting it drag on so long that everyone's just fed up with it, but exploring some of the issues on, on, on a, a bit of a deeper level than just the service. Can I ask you, would it normally be the case that you could get into um, a hospital service that quickly? Because it would not be the case here in Australia. Because she, she's um, having in-house treatment and you just, that, I mean, it just wouldn't happen here, uh, even if she was pregnant. So I'm just wondering, is that usual in the UK or is that the Ambridge Fairy? Bearing in mind that she's actually paying for this, though, isn't she? So this isn't on yeah. the NHS. So this is private. So if, you, if you've got a dollar... You can you can right. look into it. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. I think that's that's what I took from it. I think. Mm. Um, also, little... uh, and I am utterly no expert, but the impression that I got as well that when she admitted to the doctor, the doctor did kind of say, "Well, um, if you don't go in for treatment, social services are going to get involved, etc." So it seemed to me that because she, you know she's carrying a child that the health services would swing in immediately. The only way to stave off, in effect, the National Health Service getting involved immediately was for her to go into at least private treatment. But she had to address the situation because, you know, there's a child involved. But yeah. I'm no expert. I'm no expert. Mm. Mm. Uh, great to hear from you, Miss Mid-City. And uh, don't wait for another two and a half years before calling in again. Uh, now we have a new caller in, it's Jeff. So this is Jeff calling from uh, France. At the moment, a little cold and grey with the lockdown here, a little bit alone in the house. So very nice to listen to the joyful and happy sounds of 
disputes and agreements from your team, especially Royfield, as we say, Royfield, Royfield. My memories of the archers are from a long time ago when I used to play them uh, to my children, uh, as I was saying, I actually used to go to bed to the sound of the archers' music. When they changed the time sometime in the 1970s, uh, we got five minutes more peaceful time because the children went automatically to bed when they heard the music. Thanks for <laughs> your continual digressions. I enjoy the discussion on character, philosophy, probabilities, and so on, even more, honestly, than the archers, though occasionally they do have a very good story line and a good episode, as with the uh, Rory and Siobhan. Well, I hope you're all keeping well and you will keep going. Is that finished? Yeah. Oh, sorry. He went on an upbeat and I thought he was going to end on a downbeat. Well, you, you, um, well... I, I tell you the reason why uh, you, you missed the beat there is because he actually ran out of time. So I had to edit oh, right. to add a point that made sense. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was great to have uh, a new caller in a room. Um, and he's obviously quite the fan, Roy Field. You've got a fan there. Um, and I, I think he's somebody that should call in more often because it sounds as though he's got quite a bit of history and knowledge about uh, the artists that we could all benefit from. Um, so, it was, yeah, it was really good to hear from him. And we hope that you're not on your own and in lockdown for too much longer. Yeah, I think I really empathise <laughs> being in lockdown on my own as well. Um, <laughs> has has yeah. not been great. Um but I think, yeah, I think just to echo what he said. The one thing he did say about that, um, I'm no expert on this, though I probably should be. Wasn't there a massive kerfuffle when they changed the, the time by five minutes? Wasn't there some big campaign against the BBC when that happened? I think, I think it's, it's before, my time. before my time. Exactly. I came in mid 80s mm. and I think this was a 70s thing. Like I didn't even realise until somebody uh -huh. said last week that them going to six days a week was a, I was going to say a relatively recent thing, but only like 25 years ago. In mm. my mind's eye, it's always been six days a week, you know. So all these subtle changes are lost on me. The only definitive change to the format, which I know slightly before my time was when Tom Forrest uh, used to do um, on the Omnibus, yeah. he used to do like a little bit of a preamble. But other than that, I always thought it was always at seven, at two minutes past seven, you know, six days a week, et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't, you know, the Archers has changed uh, subtly over time in terms of the its length and, and format and when it's actually come on. And that's probably why it survived, because it has been flexible when it's needed to be. It survived because of the listeners as well. This uh, I can't remember where I read it, but I read that there was some big kind of like letter writing campaign stuff about that five minutes. My initial thought was, having taken part in the tweet along, um, Archer's listeners are not people that I would mess with, to be honest with you. <laughs> 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 highly organized very opinionated yeah. in the right way um but i think and it just articulate. goes to that's the thing and i think what jeff just said about 
you know, it's how you kind of get through and it becomes part of your life as well. That whole thing about, you know, falling asleep to the theme tune of the Archers. I think that's the joy of the Archers. It's become part of people's everyday life in some way, which is why Mm. people feel so strongly about it. Mm. Very true. People feel so strongly about it. They even form their own podcasts and keep running them for about six and a half years. (laughs) There's some real like anorak and obsessives about this thing. But I've still yet to meet one, mind you, though. Thank you for that call, Jeff. Uh, You're going to have to call in next week, Jeff, and tell us exactly where you are in in the south of France and exactly Mm. what your vintage is. You you did say 70s, but... um, who was the first character you remember becoming a regular part of the show? Right, so yeah. that's uh, that's Jeff. He's in the south of France, a new caller in a row. And now we go to um, to Ireland, another part of the EU. It's Ambridge Pony Club. Greetings, Royfield, Peter, Kerry and all in Dumpty Dumland. Just calling in because we finally had a reference to animal health and horses in the archers last night. We discovered that Banjo had thrown Shula and has kissing spines. Kissing spines is a condition where two of the bones in a horse's spine pinch together, causing back pain, which usually presents in horses as a hind limb lameness. I've had a horse presented to me for severe hind limb lameness when ridden. The owner was not present with the horse that day, so we had our groom ride the horse instead. The horse was absolutely sound, couldn't see anything wrong with it. So I called the owner and explained that, was told, of course, that I'm a bloody idiot and the owner would be down to ride the horse the next day. As soon as she appeared, I could see immediately what the problem was. The horse to rider weight ratio was suboptimal. When the owner got up on the horse and and bumped around, the poor horse was indeed crippled lame. It's pretty difficult explaining this to clients, but given Yakult's bedside manner, I'm really surprised he didn't just turn around and say, Shula, it's your fat arse that's causing this horse's lameness. Get with the Ekhine weight loss program. Why wasn't Banjo lame with Alice? Well, as Witherspoon explained last week, she may be, may indeed malnourished from the alcoholism. Either that or she's just too pissed to ride the horse the entire time. I haven't been able to listen to that storyline, mainly because of the impending doom for her baby. Um, so it's nice to have had dum dum to be able to listen to and keep up with what's going on. It's also marvellous to have the Zooms to get through what's a pretty rough time here in Ambridge Pony Club land. So thanks for all you do. Loving the show. And I'll see you on Friday. Oh, thanks so much for that. And I can't believe everybody who phones in is an expert on something. So no wonder you've had to keep going, Mr. Anorak, because uh, that, like they certainly know more than the rest of us put together, don't they? Um, it was. It's also really interesting. I don't know anything about horses, uh, but it's good to have it explained uh, more carefully. So thank you very much for that, because I didn't understand that bit of the program at all. But I've got it now, I think. When they first said kissing spines, I thought, well, that doesn't sound very bad until they explained it. And I was like, oh, God, that's <laughs> nasty. That's really nasty. Um, so, yeah, you do learn things. Mm. And, as, and as you said, Millie, that is uh, the great joy, uh, or dare I say it, the great resource that we have in, in the Call of Inners. You mm. know, everybody is an yeah. expert on something. What well, are you an expert in there, Mr. Yeah. Bear? I, d- <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Why am I an expert in in that would relate to Ambridge. Um, I don't know, really. I've I've got a bit of a, a liking for things like folklore and stuff like that. So maybe... Burt Fry. Uh, so... Yeah, Burt Fry or maybe, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Though I don't write poetry, but yeah, maybe, maybe that. But 
practical kind of practical skills or knowledge? No, not really. You're kind of big on it. It's not employment law, is it? Unions and rabble oh, rousing God, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. pulling down the system, socking it to the man. So basically, you would have been really up for early Mike Tucker in the 70s and the 80s Quite. when he was, uh, you know, red Mike Tucker. Quite possibly, yeah. But I, I tell you what, not much employment law comes up in the archers. Um, and I think that's I think that's to do with the, the Ambridge Job Fairy. Um, you know, I'm not sure whether the Job Fairy writes out contracts of employment, uh, but it has come up occasionally. But it, it's not really, you know, people just kind of rock on. And then if they lose their job, something crops up or, they, or they're out of the village. So, you know. Wasn't it last year that Jim swooped in and helped somebody it was didn't he help out jazz wasn't that to do with employment yeah. i can't yeah. remember exactly what it was yeah i think and they got it largely right i think it was the constructive dismissal thing wasn't it where ah, he'd walked out on the and yeah and i mean without getting too boring about it constructive dismissal is quite a complex that it's quite hard to prove um so but i think Jim did uh, a good job of it, considering he wasn't like legally trained. So, you know, I'm hoping that if they do employment law stuff or any law stuff on the archers, they've got an advisor. Well, if they haven't, they know where you are, Mark. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Bear. <laughs> right now, that's Ambridge Pony Club. Uh, she was in Ireland. We've had Jeff from the south of France. We have a Witherspoon in the upper, lower, east, west side. Now we're going to Quentin. He's in the East Midlands. Royfield's probably just given me a name check, but yes, hello, it's Quentin Rayner again. I just want to start off by saying how much I really enjoyed last Friday's Zoomcast with Jackie Smith. I found her very easy, approachable and unfussy, who gave honest and generous answers to our wide-ranging questions. My only grievance is that uh, she hasn't followed me back yet on Twitter, which <laughs> I just find absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> Anyway, I thought the hallmark of this week in Ambridge was kindness mixed with appalling brutality from Philip Moss selling off his enslaved workers as mere commodities with an utter disregard for their welfare. In fact, I'm still waiting for Gavin to challenge his father for his chilling inhumanity now that he, Gavin, is beginning to show signs of caring for them more. Anyway, back to kindness, and I think we had some Lovely examples this week. We had Joy comforting Tony over the prospect of Helen and the boys moving out. Although it's only half a mile away, Tony. For goodness sake, get a grip, man. Kindness and concern from that most popular of characters, David, uh, when all four of Eddie's tyres were slashed in pursuit of the naughty Nighthawkers. Though I'm not so sure he'll be trying to carry favour with Vince when they meet for their get-to-know-you meal later on. And of course, the very touching and very well-written scenes, I thought, between Chris and Harrison, the perfect friend to offload on, whose response was sensitive, perceptive, and non-judgmental, just like this podcast. Ta-da. <laughs> oh, my, Mr. Quentin Rayner. It sounds as though you've been uh, talking on radio for years. You have the perfect voice for it. Um, and a beautiful summary of uh, of the week. And uh, I like how you linked it with kindness. Um, yeah, I, what can I say? You've summed up the week beautifully. Over to you, Mark. Um, yeah, I mean, he's also mentioned that, um, that going out for a drink, uh, Vince and David, 
which again i really mm. hope that that's that's something that we hear but it got me thinking that i'm sorry but the the elizabeth and vince dating no i just no no <laughs> just no no i'm with it you you're doesn't right doesn't feel it feels as though as if right okay we've got this character we've got this character i'll sort it let's put them together um i just don't think vince would be somebody that elizabeth would go for i just can't see it mm. Mm. but did, did you see chris and alice lasting as long as they have because i didn't when they were first going yeah in. i guess i guess that's true i guess yeah but i think i think vince is different and i think also as well um i no i just i don't know why i can't really put my finger on it but when she first kind of said he's hatching Sorry, he, yeah. I think he's hatching a Machiavellian plot. <sighs> Maybe he's trying to get Lower yeah. Lottery. Absolutely. Like, he, he he changed tack very quickly when he realised she owned it. Mm. See, I, see, I disagree. I just thought that the impression that I got was when he was with David and they were having their hard-bitten negotiation and he was knocking David down yet again on the price of his daughter's wedding and uh, Elizabeth was there, he was genuinely, like, who was that? Like he, it, it, she didn't come wrapped up with Lower Loxley. Then he just generally found her attractive. That's the impression that I got. Yeah, and she probably looks a bit posh. Mm. Well, I that, think she would look a bit posh, wouldn't she? Well, you'd you'd think so. You'd think so. I, I must admit, I'm I'm cynical about him, and I'm with David. I want to be there when they have that drink. <laughs> 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 I'll be giving him the third degree. Don't you worry about yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. I mean, what I what I really hope doesn't happen is that drink. Then um, that then drink kind of brings David round. I just I can't see that happening. The the best bit was uh, around that was David's outrage about the thought of going for a curry was just. <laughs> it was. Um, I, <laughs> I I, th I think all those years of oven pizza with Ruth has made him mistrustful of any other food. So, <laughs> is that all our callers? Oh, oh no, 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 we, we, we still have oh, more. Awesome. We still have more. We we leave. Is nobody going to talk about Susan? I, I need someone to talk about Susan. I have something to say. <laughs> you might you might have just jumped in too soon. Okay. Too yes. soon. Okay, right. it's Pat. Hello. To everyone in Dum to Dum Land, it's Pat from Leeds here. Okay, so there's been a lot of weird stuff, as always. We'll get that out of the way first. Um, at least the detectorist story seems to be over, thank God. I'm sick of that. Shula apparently got bruised kissing a horse, a horse's spine or something. Tony was playing hopscotch. David was moaning about having to go out with Vince. But he doesn't actually think of how ghastly the experience will be for Vince. It just it doesn't occur to him that going out with him would be hell on earth. It anyway, so there we go. But I think there's been a theme of friendship and friends in need this week. So lovely scenes with Joy and Tony. I thought that was really sweet how she comforted him. And of course Jazza he had the horrible story, but before that, he had reassured Jim about inviting his daughter for the Zoom meeting. And that's a nice relationship. But then, of course, he had the big bust up with Tracy. 
And lots of people on social media seem to think this means that there'll be a romance there because it certainly does happen on the arches quite a lot. People have a big fight and then get together. And then, of course, the big one was Harrison being a great friend to Chris, which was really lovely writing and acting, I thought. And hopefully Harrison, with his, you'd hope with his police training, he'd know a bit about alcoholism and he may be able to suggest Al-Anon for Chris and get him some support. So it was, that was a nice bit. And then the, the, then you've got this sort of roller coaster ride. You have this lovely bit. Then you have Gavin and Philip and Gavin. Philip's selling on the men who work for him. It's, it's just so horrible. I can hardly bear to listen to that. I think we all feel sure that his days are numbered. So hopefully that's true. And then at the back of it all, you've got lovely, lovely, lovely Neil. Being so nice to Susan when she didn't get her radio show. Her radio show has been stopped. Oh, you know, the Archers is so heartwarming and lovely, isn't it? In spite of the Phillips and Gavins of this world. So I haven't got anything else to say, really. Bye. <laughs> oh, thank you, Pat. And thank you for that lovely segue so that I can say what I've been itching to say. But first of all, I just want to acknowledge uh, that, it, that you're absolutely right about the Harrison and Chris. It does frustrate me that women have all the emotional intelligence um, on the show and men can show emotional intelligence too. So it was really lovely to have that. Uh, but back to my hot topic, which is Susan, because the whole thing with the radio has done my head in. I don't know, understand how she got that job so quickly, how she basically was in charge and then she just suddenly lost it. I, whether she was paid or whether she was a volunteer, it just didn't make any sense. And having heard some of the radio programs as we did, they were just as boring as bat poo. So why, like, well, how did she not get the flick earlier? So, yeah, I was kind of like, I'm so glad this has run its course because it wasn't making any sense to me at all. What do you think, Kyoko Bear? I'm going to be very, very, very cynical here because the Susan radio show just didn't work for me at all. And I think it comes down to this. Um, I think the script writers were bored in lockdown and thought, Hey, what if we did this and didn't really kind of, it was, it was like, to me, it was like a one episode funny thing that just didn't end at all. Uh, and I think you're right. Mr. There's so Bear, many. Can, 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 can I just jump in? It wasn't even funny in that first episode. It, the whole oh, thing. I'm, was I'm being, ludicrous. I, I'm I being, know you are. I know you I'm being are. generous. Uh-oh. I'm a generous person. So <laughs> um, I think it was just like, we need to do something with Susan and we need to kind of play to Susan's strengths, which is about the kind of gossip and her kind of lack of self-awareness and what have you. But I just don't think the radio show, because all the way through, I was just sat there thinking, how did you get this show? How, who, who know, how did that come about? And... Um, it wasn't really explained that well. Uh, so could no. not agree yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that Pat called it out. Thank you, Pat. Mm. I think, can I just say as well, Pat mentioned as well about seeing the Vince and David um, um, meal from the other perspective. <laughs> I think that's probably right, actually. And I remember when, um, after David had done the audition thing or the, the, the play thing and... Um, and uh, I've been. He asked the question, "Do you think I'm one-dimensional?" And at that point, I sat there and thought, "Honestly, David, I think one is pushing it." To be honest with you, I think 
it's, so yeah, I mean, I think it could be um, hilarious or just the most dull thing you've ever heard with those two. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I like the fact that Pat kind of turned it around and actually think about it from Vince's point of view. Mm. Now it's that time. Uh, Miss Bell, when I say uh, to my co-host, do we have any emails? Yes, we do, as it happens. We have one from Scruff Gin Buffy, which is a great name and almost as hard to say as Miss Mid-City. So Scruff Gin Buffy says, Hi all, this is my first message into Dumpty Dum and I would say that I'm a Gin Lloyd. I'm a huge fan of the show, especially with Peter and Kerry and your brilliant analysing. I felt compelled to point out to Royfield that with a lowest recorded temperature of minus 7.2 degrees centigrade and lowest wind chill is minus 13.9 degrees centigrade, the Isles of Scilly is not subtropical, especially if you are caught in a storm travelling between the islands. So, Uh yes. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's you told. <laughs> no, it, it is me told, but I did I did some wikiing, as as did uh, the email Rinnera. Scruffy and Buffy? Yes, Scruffy and Buffy. Thank you for rescuing me because I, I couldn't remember the name for, that's for, right. for a moment. Yeah, um, that's right. I know that I heard this, that the Isles of Scilly were subtropical, and it's because subtropical plants can live there and thrive there. So there was a reason for me to say that. And uh, uh, I yeah. did a Google and yeah, it's a, it's a thing. And it is the most mild and warmest bit of the United Kingdom by far. Ah. So uh, the winters there are very mild, though interestingly, the summers are not as hot as you get on the mainland, but the winters are incredibly mild and the temperature, uh, sorry, the climate is called oceanic. So it's much warmer than the rest of the UK. Subtropical plants uh, don't only just live there, but they thrive there. They bud. And that's the reason mm. why I said it was subtropical because it, it almost is. Uh, it's, it's much warmer than the rest of the United Kingdom. But that's a great save. Well done. Well, well when, when, <laughs> when I saw the email, I thought there's a reason for me to have made yeah. this mistake. And I was ah, it's the plants. It's not actually the climate, but yeah. it's actually very mild. Yeah. But, but thank you for, for correcting me. And uh, I'd love to go. I'd love to go. Take a wild guess as to how many people live on the Isles of Scilly. Uh, Mr. Bear, would you like to hazard a guess? I didn't know until um, today. It's about 200, isn't it? Oh, not a bad guess. 2,000. And there are... The last census, there was um, only 61 cars. So, yeah, there you go. Oh, learning is fun. Yeah. Wikipedia, (laughs) Wikipedia. It's it's our friend. It is our friend. And on that note, uh, I'll tell you another thing that's fun, social media roundups. And uh, Sandra has taken over the cudgels this week. She's in exalted company. We've got Yokel Bear and we have Millie Bell, the two originals. But anyway, Sandra, it's your time to shine. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, this is Sandra with the social media roundup for... The week ending the 4th of December. It was an interesting week, but thank goodness, not quite so dramatic as some. The most talked about episode across social media was the conversation between Chris and Harrison Burns. It got to many listeners on an emotional level. There was a lot of um, expressed love of carpet with someone saying, is anyone else a bit in love with Harrison Burns? It was a heartwarming lesson, and a comment in Dumpty Dums was that we all need a Harrison in our lives. But people are still mentioning the missing bunting. An interesting and amusing take on the story was, I thought he was expressing concern because Alice had disappeared and maybe Chris had murdered her. Hmm, way off the mark there. Some link the story to other support networks within the programme, especially between farmers. After all, the programme centres around a farming community. However, there was criticism about David's attitude to Eddie's slashed tyres. Many of us expected David to offer to help with the cost of new tyres. I certainly did, and I think many of us were disappointed. But then, as some people say, David's not the brightest spark on the planet. One comment on a Radio 4 group said, I know that slavery still exists, but actually hearing someone discussing selling people is truly shocking. And that, of course, is perfectly understandable. 
The storyline has been disturbing for many, even though we may have read about it in the past. The uh, programme has certainly highlighted the problem. There are mixed views about Gavin and the slaves, and that's a word I really don't like using. Philip, of course, is seen as the villain of the piece. Many do see how Gavin has been treated and manipulated by his father, but also remember his earlier attitude towards Blake and the others, which wasn't entirely sympathetic, but that was when he was new to the programme. Sorry, village. It is recognised that Gavin has now formed a more positive relationship with Blake and a suggestion was made that Gavin could carry on keeping Blake as his assistant. I just wish that people would stop suggesting that Kirsty will fall into Gavin's arms as soon as Philip is banged up. Oh, yuck! The storyline obviously links with Tony's moaning about missing Helen and the boys when they move out. He was being given short shrift by listeners. But the big question of the moment was, how can Helen afford the house? One amusing suggestion was that Helen would pay for the house with cheese. Lots of it. Another suggestion was that she could do a shift at the chicken factory. As the house is in Philip's name, will it be seized as proceeds of crime? What will happen to poor Kirsty? Some suggest that she will set up home with Helen. There was little sympathy for Susan, having lost her slot on Razio Borshire. Lots didn't like the storyline and complained about it, but I thought it led to some amusing episodes. I don't listen to Woman's Hour, but people did comment on the suggestion that she could be a contributor to the programme. Of course, there were plenty of cheers for Tracy and boos for Jazza. Tracy is a force to be reckoned with, and everyone recognised that Jazza was at fault. Storylines are progressing at the moment. Let's see what happens in the lead-up to a very quiet Christmas for many of us. Goodbye for now. Yoko Bear, isn't it great that we left Dumpty Dum in such great hands? Like, honestly, we walked away and we were both a bit worried and we had nothing to worry about because the team that are on the socials now, they've got it. What do you reckon? Oh, God, absolutely. They're, they're playing a blinder. Um, I think <laughs> on the Facebook group, there's there's just lots of discussion. Um, yeah. The roundups are great. They're, they're doing a sterling yeah. job, spiffing job. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well done. There you go. There is praise indeed from, from the two originals. It's it's basically uh, the, the end of the show, folks. And uh, it's the time for me to say dundrum.com. Go there. It's got stuff for your Christmas stocking, but you just haven't realised stuff for your Christmas stocking because you haven't gone on to uh, <laughs> dundrum forward slash shop. So go do that. Uh, go buy yourself a mug or a T-shirt or something that comes with, with the slogans. Uh, Dumpty Dum, what are you going to do this Christmas, Millie Bell? We are kind of so exhausted from uh, 2020. We've actually decided that we're giving it away this year and we are just going to sit back. We might have a little cocktail early in the day and then we're going to have a nice meal and then we're just going to eat chocolates for the rest of the day. Uh, Hunker down is how I think of it. We're just going to treat ourselves by not making it too stressful just for this year. Uh, What about you, Mr Bear? Um, Well, uh, we're not doing a family Christmas. I'm not meeting up with my family because... um, 
I'm in a kind of high COVID area. They're in a lower one because they're in a different town. Mm. Um, so I'm actually spending Christmas with a friend who's kind of in my bubble, my social bubble. Um, and it's just going to be me and her. And we're just going to have a kind of very chilled out. We'll do, I'll do like a family Zoom call at some point during the day. Um, so just very chilled out. Um, so we kind of, yeah, kind of like uh, Millie, we kind of cancelled things a little bit. And we're planning once we're kind of, out of all this we're going to kind of have a bit of a family party whenever that is whether it's easter or early or later or whatever so yeah so i'm having a bit of a quiet one what about you royfield what are you doing i will be going to canada this weekend to be with my kids uh with noah and ella nice nice slight fly in the ointment is i've got to be in isolation for 14 days so i'm going there so um on december 25th i'm out of isolation and then we can all get round the uh, family table and chow down on mm. some turkey so that's what i'm going to do haven't you already done one lot of quarantine yes i have i have oh, and <laughs> i i found it i used to really think that i liked people and i still think that i do but i definitely quite like being by myself and uh <laughs> and i did so much work um, I lost yeah. weight, um, ran up and down the stairs in my little Airbnb place. I, I, I really That's kind cool. of quite quite enjoyed it, though it was a That's blessed a relief. Good thing to find out about yourself, isn't it? Well, you know, and, and not too soon. I'm only fifty one, you know, but I realised like yeah. actually uh, I could be like Robinson Crusoe on a desert island. I'd actually be fine. I, I, I found yeah. the same as well that I can I've actually there's some points of being alone that I've really really enjoyed which is that one of which is not having to get dressed all the time um um and oh, that's spending not an image we needed well no I meant more kind of schlepping around in my pajamas all day and all stuff right. like that um oh, but also but also as well just um just being able to do what I want, even though it's kind of limited to whatever the lockdown thing is. Um, you know, mm. if I want to just slob around on the sofa for as long as I want, I can. Um, so, mm. yeah. But on the other hand, saying that, though, there have been moments where it was just like, oh, my God, I need to see some people. Luckily, mm. my neighbours have been brilliant. We've kind of managed to find socially distanced things to do. Um, as neighbours so we've had got a little community going which is something that's come out of covid we weren't that much of a community until this happened but now we really are our hearts go out to anybody who's currently affected by covid mm. or is um involved in any kind of restrictions so you know we are thinking of you and uh, if we can give you a little bit of joy then you know that is our pleasure so to do Horville. Is that the type of joy that you want to give joy people? <laughs> We're going to give you some joy, Horville. <laughs> I think that's a double-edged Not sword, that isn't kind it? kind of joy, <laughs> But no, I think I'd say just what Millie said. It's been a horrible year. Um, so I think anything that, you know, anything that gets you through, that's that's kind of what I think what we're saying. And yeah. just hang in there. Things will get better. They, they always do. So, mm. Yeah. Well, you know, um there is a vaccine trump will be gone uh 2020 will be over in in a matter of yeah. weeks you know so the only way is up planet earth the only way and is in up. 2021 
we will still have the arches. That's true. Though, can I just say as well, I went into a well-known bookstore when we were briefly out of lockdown and I bought a 2021 calendar and the person serving me said, oh, so you're an optimist then. (laughs) 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 Which which made my day. (laughs) Um, Folks tell you one thing else that makes my day when people commit a dollar hard earned shekel money to this enterprise to help keep it on the road and if you'd like to join them uh, you can do that by going on the patreon.com and giving us two dollars per episode and it just means that i can pay for stuff and one of the great things is um we are revamping the website and we are literally, literally, literally just days away from Tractor 2.0 being unleashed. Thank you to everybody who's been signing up. Uh, we've had uh, about 15 new signups this week. By the end of this week, the map will be unveiled and you'll be able to see how many listeners there are uh, close to you. And, and basically, people that donate on Patreon make things like that possible because I don't know web coding. Do you know web coding, Yokel Bear? No. Oh, no, I just get my geeky friends to do it. Well, well you're yep, lucky. same here. <laughs> I don't have any geeky friends, but what I do have is Jesse. He gives me an invoice at the end of the month, but it's the people that give us the money on Patreon that mean that the, mm. the wheels get oiled around here and he can get his shilling and we get our new spangling great website. So patreon.com, go and support our show. Remember to get in contact you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203-031-3105 to leave a message. Or you can text your message to us by starting your message with DUM to 077-862-00690. Yo, Colbert, I'm not going to shilly-shally, but your presence has been missed not only on the social media roundup, but also on Twitter because... For the last two plus years, you were dum-de-dum, weren't you? You And you were bloody awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, tumbleweed happening because of your absence, sir. Uh, uh, there's, there's people out there, I'm sure. Put the call out. Say, hey. Yeah, put the call out. <laughs> put the call out. <laughs> <laughs> but, Yokel Bear, if somebody would like to follow you on Twitter, how would they do that, sir? Um, I'm at Yokel Bear. <laughs> <laughs> And how about you, Millie Bell? Uh, they won't find me. I'm not on there. But I keep listening to Dumpty Dum because you never know. We might be back. Good, good. And, of course, you can follow Kerry, Auntie Kerry Warburton, and quite simply at Kerry Warbis, but K-E-R-I-W-A-R-B-I-S. And then Pete Ficklin can be found at Pete Ficklin. And there's no point following me, so I'll just move on. Now, Facebook. Uh, we have um, a group <laughs> on Facebook. And Millie Bell and uh, Yoko Ben mentioned it earlier. And our new social supremos are like uh, the ringmasters in chief, keeping everybody ship shape, keeping them um, doing all the correct and right things. Quite simply, if you'd like to see our three ring circus over there on Facebook, go onto Facebook, <laughs> type in Dum De Dum, and you get on there. Uh, big up to the flick up yeah. posse. Oh, just very quickly. You're missing out, folks. If you're not part of the Flick app, because we did Film Club today, today being Sunday, Californian time, 
and it was brilliant. We reviewed the film Chicago 7, the trial of the, of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. Uh, we had eight people on that Zoom call, half an hour in length, where everybody talked about what they thought about the film, they brought their own experiences to it, analysed the acting, the direction. It was utterly brilliant. Um, you get little nuggets by being part of the Flick app. Whatever your passion interest is, get onto the Flick app, post it there, and you will have one of the other 600 and odd dum-de-dummers who are on the Flick app uh, will coalesce around it and say, I'm into that too. And watching and appreciating films is definitely part of it. So uh, that's one of the things you can do on the Flick app. So again, big up to the Flick app posse. Now, Mr. Bear, right? Um, people haven't heard of you, heard from you, on this format for I don't know about six months, five six months, right? So they're they're waiting on tender hooks with, with bated breaths for words of wisdom, maybe some comic <laughs> words, you know, from you. So I'm going to step back, sir, and let you go center stage. I'll give you Yokel Bear. Oh God! If you're relying on me for words of wisdom, you need to <laughs> you need to rethink your life, basically. So, um, I don't know. I think it's um, in terms of kind of you know the archers and what have you. I'm I'm really glad that we're out of the monologues. I struggled so much with the monologues, and I tell you why. It wasn't because of the actors. It wasn't because of the format or whatever. But it kind of just became to me a bit of a symbol for the fact that we were deep in this pandemic and things were not normal. And even the archers was different. Um, but I think we're kind of coming out of that now. And I'm really, I'm enjoying it more now than than I have for quite a while. Um, and I was, you know, I was enjoying it quite a lot then. Um, I think more generally, I think, I just want to say to people, you know, keep yourself safe. I know this has been a long, long year. I think this year's lasted 10 years, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, there's always better times ahead. There always is. The pendulum always swings back, doesn't it? So um, I think we, you know, once we're out of this, I think go and meet people, go and see people you haven't seen. And let's kind of pick up again where we left off. <laughs> Wise words. Great I, words. I, I'm all up for people getting out and meeting people, but as long as they a continue to listen to the archers and b continue to download Dumpty Dum. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's the priority. Isn't <laughs> agreed. It? So, They're all, yeah. all agreed. <laughs> and then um, I have to then leave the last word to you, Miss Millie Bell. Is there anything you'd like to say? to the mass ranks of dum dummers uh, We've got quite a few in Australia, some in New Zealand. Uh, we probably have, we even have some in the Isles of Scilly, because we got told off about that. <laughs> we have plenty in Canada, the United States, in England, Scotland, Wales, France even. We've got them all over. Uh, this is your time to say something to the dum dummers who are situated on the four corners of the planet. Go. Yes, you do know it's a globe, right? And there's no corners. But anyway, I just hope you all have a fabulous <laughs> Christmas with as many of your loved ones as you can. And uh, it's great that you're all part of the Dumpty Dum community. I must admit, it's kept me sane sometimes when I've just needed to be recentered during the recent year. So thank you very much for being involved. If you haven't become involved, get involved. And until I speak to you again, I say, hooray! Hey.